Welcome to Financially Ever After, where award-winning and nationally recognized financial expert Stacy Francis will bring you savvy tips and words of wisdom on how to secure your financial future before, during, and after divorce. For 30 minutes every other week, you'll hear personal stories from women who have either faced or are currently facing this transition. In addition, you'll also soak up knowledge and inspiration from the industry's top legal, financial, residential, and mental health professionals. And now here's our host, Stacy Francis. Hello and welcome everyone to Financially Ever After, coming to you every other week with the important information you need to know to make smart decisions about your life, both during and after a separation or a divorce. Today, we have a really special guest, someone who I know is going to change your life in how you think about yourself, your relationships, and how to most importantly protect yourself. Um, Abby Ellen is a award-winning journalist and the author of Teenage Wasteland, a former fat kid weighs in on living large, losing weight, and how parents can and can't help. For five years, she wrote the Preludes column about young people, as well as money, for the Sunday money and business section of the New York Times. She's a regular contributor to the health, style, business, and education sections of the New York Times. And when asked about her greatest accomplishment. I love this. She shares that it was some summiting Kilimanjaro with a broken <laughs> wrist. I cannot, I cannot believe that. And also, I don't know how you managed to do this, but you were able to name a Ben and Jerry's ice cream, Caramel Sutra. I mean, how awesome is that? Um, I'm so excited to have you here, and and just. We're going to be talking a lot about about you, but even um, in addition, we're going to be talking about another book that you wrote. Um, now, just so our listeners know, I have very little time in my life. So for me to be able to read a book cover to cover is a miracle. To give you an idea, I've read this book now twice in the last three weeks. That's how good it is. So please write down her book, Duped, Double Lives, False Identities, and the Con Man I Almost Married. We're going to be talking about that. And I just want to say a great big welcome to Abby. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I am going to just dive right into this because we have so much to go through. Um, And if you don't mind, I'm going to actually open your book and I'm going to read from uh, the first page, actually the the intro. And I feel like that sets up and really explains a lot about the, you know, the experiences that you've had. Um, So let me go ahead and just jump to that. So I'm opening the book right now. Here we go. Okay. My fiance orchestrated the raid on Osama bin Laden. He received a Purple Heart for his military service and the Medal of Honor from Golda Meir, which he tucked neatly away in a private vault. You wrote that he thwarted a bioterrorism attack in New York City and saved the grandson of one of the world's wealthiest men from an attempted kidnapping. 
that I know all of this is a privilege in itself. None of it was public. He wasn't in it for the glory. He made guest appearances at major events, but refused the acclaim or even a paycheck. He didn't write a book about his escapades or sell his story to Hollywood. His goal wasn't to become rich and famous, but to keep his children and all of America safe from what he called the bad guys. He used to say, I'm not going to sit by while other people were in danger. He'd say this often as he packed his bags for a secret mission. It was wonderfully noble, except for one minor detail. None of it was true. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, you read that well, Stacy. <laughs> I, you know, it, it that that pulled me into this book, um, and you know, I, I I think that we all have been duped in our lives in different ways by you know people we loved who maybe weren't one hundred percent honest with us, um, but. You know, for you, this was, you know, this was, and, and we'll get into even even more things that you, you know, unraveled and, and figured out through this. But um, I know for you, it was it was a tough time because you found yourself pulled in different directions of, um, you know, you shared that you, you kind of wanted, you wanted to believe his story, but also that there was this acid in your stomach that was telling you that something was was wrong. Something was just not right. Can you tell me more about that and I, you know what that looked like for you? I am a journalist, and so I am by nature skeptical. It's my job, and it's my nature. So I was very suspicious of this person. Um, I met him. Let me just backtrack. I met him when I interviewed him for an article. I needed a source, and he, I didn't. I needed a doctor to give me a quote, and so this person did. Uh, we didn't meet in person. We just met on the phone, and he was lovely, and we had a nice conversation, and that was it. And then the story didn't run, and a year and a half later, I called to fact check, and he told me that he had left his private practice in California and was now um, working in, in the Navy. He, w- he had rejoined the Navy. And he was opening up a hospital for kids with cancer in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I said, keep me posted on that. That's something I was interested in. So Mm -hmm. we stayed in touch very professionally. So I met him as a journalist. I met him as somebody who was legitimately a doctor. He was, you know, he was, uh, he was actually in the Navy too. Everything about that was, was true. So I, felt when I heard these stories that I knew on the one hand they were really outlandish to me, but on the other hand I thought, well, I be, you know, this other thing, it was verified. I know he was, yeah. you know, I knew these other things about him. So I was, what I was really trying to do was bridge the gap, like navigate the tension between being a person and being a journalist, you know, being suspicious and cynical and being in a relationship because I think to be in a relationship with someone, to be, you have to give some level of you have to have some kind of degree of trust and so, and give the benefit of the doubt. So I was really trying to do that. It was very hard. It was mm-hmm. very hard because I didn't, I, it just, the stuff didn't make sense. Just yeah. things didn't make sense. Yeah. I, I, I remember early on in my marriage um, and I was 
doing a lot of work uh, with women going through divorce, which, you know, newly married, helping a lot of women going through divorce, um, you know, my, my husband would get home 10, 15 minutes late. I was like, who are you screwing? <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you, you say a lot of right things of, you know, you, you have to have trust, right? You can't. Right. Right. So right. there's that, that balance. And, you know, ultimately I, you know, for me in my situation, I need to take a chill pill. Right. But, um, you know, something that I think is difficult too, is that, someone shows us that we're special. Um, you know, you mentioned and, and you you call him the the commander in the book, which I think is a, yep. a great way to, to talk about him. Um, you know, you, you talk about how the commander in so many ways was trustworthy. I mean, someone who he said he was going to call, he called. He said he was going to do X, Y, and Z. He did it. Um, he yep. gave you, you know, nice gifts as as much as you know. He said he could afford, and in the future, um, you know, I, I I can't wait to to be able to buy you more things as I you know get more financially stable. I mean, something that struck me was who who wouldn't want that? And in this world of ghosting and all of the you know dating horror stories of women, you know, fi- saying that you know men doing these great disappearing acts here you have yep. someone who um is not doing that who's who's really on the outside an upstanding honest good guy who doesn't want to be dating a good guy it, well that's exactly right he was not you know he was he had told me he was a navy seal he didn't look like one he was not you know he wasn't the rock he was kind of nerdy sort of Short. He was not really that great looking, um, but he, the minute he opened his mouth, as my mother said, he was charming. He just made you like him. And really, and, and he, had, he was involved with some fabulous women uh, before me, after me, probably during me, and um, they were terrific. And I thought, you know, to get, to get really great women like this, you've got to have something. I mean, he was very smart. He was funny. He was charming. All those, all those things. All those things you hear about. Um, and the thing that was so weird is that he didn't need to lie. He yeah. did not need to lie the way he lied. Because he was, he, he was, he was legitimately these things. He was a doctor. He was in the Navy. So he wasn't a SEAL. So what? He didn't work for the CIA. So what? You know, he didn't need to lie. Anyway, that, he, was, he's, he had major, major insecurities, clearly. Yeah. And probably mental illness too. I'm sure mental, mental, major mental illness. Abby, do you think we, as women, kind of want to believe the stories because we want to we want to feel loved? I do. I think I think we as women. I'll tell you something else. There's so much. More, I mean, men get duped too. Men certainly get duped. Um, you know, and there there are stories about that, and and I have some in the book, but. But I think especially romantically, and, and my book is not just about romantic relationships. It's about all kinds of deception um, interpersonally. But I think that women, there's so much pressure on women to be married, to be couple, yeah. to be partnered. And so we are willing to give the benefit of the doubt, even when we shouldn't. But beyond that, I think women really feel very insecure 
when they are not coupled. And so there's this panic that sets in. And so if, you know, if somebody seems like they're a good guy and they, they you know, are saying the right things and doing the right things, then you, why not, you know? And then beyond that, if you love somebody, you want to trust them. You have a reason to trust them. And what is wrong with that? That is, that is kind of, you know, that's kind of what you're supposed to do in this world, right? Yeah, it's, that's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Why not have, you know, the whole point is to have somebody who has your back, not, not who's working against you. You know, and, and something I love, I mean, I, I love the scientific part that you tackle uh, as well. So not only this is, you know, what we're on earth for and, and you know, relationships are, are, are just a, a foundation of, of being happy. Um, but you also shared in Dupe that there, there's a scientific reason also, and you talked about how uh, several studies have shown that it's harder to de- actually detect lies when we're in love. And oxycodone, um, or uh, oxytocin, sorry, oxy- oxy- see, yeah. see what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking oxycodone. That sounds I know, great. I know. <laughs> but um, yeah, oxytocin, that, yeah, that. Co- yeah, that cuddle hormone um, that often you you link between a, you know a mother and a, a newborn when they're they're bonding, um, that that what we call cuddle hormone is also present, um, and it creates trust. It creates um, you know empathy. So, in the study you shared that when individuals test subjects were exposed to the cuddle hormone, they had a reduced capacity to detect lies and the prefrontal yep. cortex which is our you know our, our decision making our higher thinking also was shown to start to deactivate when we were madly in love so i mean does this mean that like we're in love and you get stupid i mean it's that's what some of these well, studies they, are saying that is kind of what they're saying i think that's right i mean you have love is blind i think that was there for a reason that phrase you know that we say yeah, yeah. i think they think it's it's a brain thing i think when you're you know, haven't you ever been so into somebody and it, you just become obsessed, right? And that's all you can think about is them. You just want to be with them and it's crazy. And you have all these hormones running around in your brain and in your body. And it's, yeah, it's like oxyco- uh, oxytocin and, you know, all of that. Um, and I think that, yeah, yeah, I think I think that's real. And I think it's also when you are with somebody, it's to your benefit not to see bad things. Also, yeah. you can't see it perhaps because of the hormones and also because it's to your benefit, especially if this is somebody who's in your, who's in your life and they're your partner and you built a family with them or you're supposed to build a family with them and you have money with them and you have a mortgage and you know, they're your partner. You don't want to see these things. It's to your it, you, you're, we're blind to it. It's betrayal blindness because we don't want to see what we don't want to see, what's too painful to see. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because when I read this book, I I went back to a time in my life where, you know, the man that I thought I was going to marry, so this was um, before I met my husband. My husband and I have been together now 20 years, but I met him about a year and a half after my, you know, extremely serious, or at least extremely serious in my, my point of view, a uh, college boyfriend came to me and was breaking up with me. 
and he had been cheating on me. Now, Mm. I had never been in such deep, mad, passionate love. And Mm. I really thought he was the one. Reading the book, looking back, there were definitely signs. And there were definitely signs. And what I did is is I, I chose to ignore it. And he was cheating on me for over half of our relationship. And you know, he ended up actually proposing to this woman and he, he actually ended up marrying her. So I'm not sure how how great their relationship is, but but I digress. But you know what's interesting and and you know I hope that no one no one judges me. Number one, I didn't really I didn't admit to what was going on, but you know what's even worse is even after I knew that he was cheating and that he, you know, shared that he had been with this other woman and that, you know, that's who he really wanted to be with, I would catch myself fantasizing. Mm-hmm. How do I win him back? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not good enough. No wonder he mm-hmm. left me. In fact, my roommate, Bless, was his best friend. So I, I ran into this guy all the time socially. And in the back of my mind was always, okay, I need to look good. I need to win him back, um, you know, because he's as good as I'm going to get. I mean, so I, I feel embarrassed and ashamed as a woman even to admit that I had these thoughts. But I did. And, you know, something that I wanted to, to kind of hear from you, you know, beyond the not not allowing ourselves to see the signs um, there are times in relationships where we just we don't have enough self-confidence to really stand up for ourselves or have enough self-confidence to um, trust our guts that something mm-hmm. is really off. Or, um, you know, I know for you, y- you were a victim of being gaslighted, essentially. That, that's right. Right. He was deliberately manipulating you. To, to lose confidence right. in your judgment and, you know, kind of creating almost like a paranoia of you're asking these questions. There's something about wrong about you, not about me. Right. T- tell me more about that. That's Number right. one, like what it that is really gaslighting, because I don't think a lot of people really understand that. Um, but number two, like, how did he do that? And, and, you know, what does that look like over time? You know, gaslighting, well, okay, let me start with it. Gaslighting comes from a movie that was, um, that came, it's a, it was a movie years ago with Ingrid Bergman. And we got it, it's psychological manipulation. And basically what it does is it makes you doubt yourself. And so the movie was called Gaslight. It was about this, this man, this husband, who was flickering the gaslight in, in, um, in their apartment. And she's with her, this, this man, uh, Charles Boyer, and she notices like things are missing and the gas lights are flickering and she thinks she's going crazy when in fact he's doing it all along. So that's sort of how it, where it comes from. Um, and it's a real, it's a real term and it's, it's exactly that. They make you think you're the one with the problem. They make you think that there's something wrong with you for thinking the sky is blue. And, you know, and they tell you it's yellow and you're the one with the problem. You know, it's, it's, it's when they go on the offense, when they attack you. So it's, it's kind of 
like, you know, what Lance Armstrong, I think, was doing. I think about him a lot because he was so clearly, I, he was, he was he, there was evidence that he was guilty and he was of, of using drugs, uh, doping. And everybody said, you're the one with the problem. I mean, he would say to people, you're the one with the problem. You're the one with the problem. You're wrong. You're the liar. And that's what this guy kind of did to me. You're crazy. You're too suspicious. You interrogate. You know, no wonder no, you're not married, that kind of thing. No wonder you're not married. No wonder, you know, you're not with anybody. You've got the problem. Yeah. And in England, it's actually part of something called coercive control, which is a crime in England. Um, we, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. It's a part of the course of control, but in England, it's a crime. And it's basically, it's, it's about, you know, it's emotional abuse. And mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. are people trying to get, there are people trying to make it a crime here as well. But it, it's, you know, isolation, it's threats, it's humiliation, and it's gaslighting. And that's exactly what it does. You, you just think that there's something wrong with you. And I was, I was doubting myself left and right. I thought, God, I'm so terrible. I, 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 I don't believe this guy. There's something wrong with me. Yeah, which, I mean, I have to say, Abby, you are one of the strongest, amazing <laughs> women I have ever met. And so, Aww. you know, and the reason why I say that, of course, is is number one, because it's true. But, but it's also because if this could happen to you, you know, someone who is extremely well-educated, knows how to research the heck out of a story and fact check, someone who is, you know, just a very strong, smart, um, you know, woman, I I would say even a leader, too. Um, If that can happen to you, you know, this this can happen to anyone. And I and I think what's really challenging is when you really kind of peel back the onion, um, these types of being duped and scams, it seems like they're only increasing. I mean, I've, I've worked with women getting a divorce whose husbands had second families living, you know, one family, her family living in New York, the other one in New Jersey. Um, you know, I've talked to women where Nigerian scammers ended up taking their life savings after, you know, wooing them on the Internet. You know, after years of marriage, women discovering that their husbands or fiancés um, had drug or gambling or um, mm-hmm. you know, sex or alcohol uh, addictions. Um, you know, the, the, the person who's been cheating for years on them. Um, you know, so I, I guess what my question is, you know, what can we do to protect ourselves? This seems to be on the rise. And, you know, even some of the most, you know, smart with it women, um, some of them are are being taken advantage of. And, and I don't know if it's our, you know, our, our, our help, you know, wanting to help people, wanting to save people, wanting to, you know, have good relationships. But, you know, what can we do to... Well, to be smart and, and, and not have this happen. I'm curious about something that the, all of these people, I mean, that's so hurt. I'm not surprised at these stories at all. You know, I, I'm totally, completely not surprised. Like I don't hear any, nothing you can tell me now would phase me. Nothing. But, but did these women say that they knew anything? Did they have a sense that they just didn't listen to? 
or were they just blindsided? The majority, there were kind of like, you know, you see mouse droppings and you know there's a mouse. Um, Just don't know, you know, number one, where is the mouse? Where were the droppings from? Um, you know, in what time period? So it's it's kind of like that of, um, you know, typically there are signs and, you know, the woman that I'm speaking about, and I don't want to uh, get too specific because there's actually a criminal case uh, involved with that as well. But oh. she, you know, she saw signs. He would be traveling for long periods of time, last minute business trips, Um, but, you know, she also lived a a lifestyle where she could easily spend, um, not 10, 20, 30, but 40 to $50,000 a month on jewelry. Um, you know, and it, not that it was all about that, but, you know, there sometimes are things that are pulling us more strongly not to be able to, you know, that make us not want to really look at that and, and really figure out what's really going on. She, she had a nice lifestyle. So again, it was to her benefit not to see it. Right. Right. Yeah. What, here's what so struck me. And I remember when I first started writing this book, cause this happened with my guy, this happened in, I met him in 2009. Uh, we started dating in 2000. I met him in, no earlier than that. We started talking in 2010 and we first met in 2010 in February 2010, and then we got engaged a few months after that, and then I was done by December of that year. So the whole thing was very short. And then two years after that, I got a call that he from NCIS that he was doing, he was uh, had been stealing people's identities for drugs, um, including mine. So he ended up going to jail. However, what I remember thinking when I was writing this, um, and before I was writing it, was that this kind of behavior is everywhere in the culture. This is before you know, this administration um, in the government um, was, it was Don Draper, it was Walter White, it was Tony Soprano, it was men, these people, I mean, and also women, Nurse Jackie, I think about these people who had these secret lives, right, who were not quite what they seemed, and we still watch these shows, we love these shows, we love Frank Abagnale, who is Catch Me If You Can, we're fascinated by this. The internet has only made it easier to, to do this. So I don't know back and forth. I, I go in my head back and forth on this. It, are people different now than they were in years past, or is it that the Internet has made it easier to lie and, and deceive? And I think it's that the Internet has made it, social media has made it easier. Yeah. Now it's also made it easier to get caught, yeah. but it made it, it's made it very easy to, um, to lie. And I'm sure that helps your, your clients um, you know, partner do their thing, right? They must. Oh, yeah. Because they were, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had clients, you know, figure out that their husband's cheating on them because, bless, his girlfriend posted a picture of the two of them, you know, frolicking on the beach holding hands um, to Facebook. <laughs> Just like, yeah. Yeah. or, you know, another one, bless, uh, it was a picture of the girlfriend with her kids, um, you know, out in the Hamptons. I mean, it's just like, are, are you kidding me? And, you know, so I, I think that this betrayal, it, you know, it, not that it's necessarily more, but, you know, with the Internet, it's happening more often. We know more about it. Um, but 
there's a double-edged sword here where, you know, not only do we look at the the guy who did this and, you know, want to take a voodoo doll and, and, and kill the voodoo doll. Um, yep. But we also judge the victims. Well, then you said this to me. You, I mean, not, you said this earlier today. You said, I don't want, when you were talking about the guy who left you, you said, I don't want people to judge me, but I feel Exactly, like, right? Because yeah. I, I feel like they I, will. I, I feel like they will. That Like, what the heck? Why, why didn't she see that? Like, is she stupid? And then she wanted to go back to him? Like, are you kidding me? You know, it's funny. I... <laughs> Right. We are totally, I, I, you, here's what I had decided when I was writing this book. Nobody can say anything to me that I haven't said to myself. So you want to judge me, knock yourself out, judge me because you cannot call me any kind of name that I didn't already say to myself. Okay. So that's Uh how I feel about the world. And I knew that people were going to, to look at me and say, she's a fool. She's an idiot. She's a professional journalist. How could this be? The flip side is it's happened to everybody. It yeah. has happened to everybody on some level. And you know what else is very interesting? Most of the people who've said she's an idiot, she's a fool, have been men. And interesting. I love you. A lot of interesting. my friends are men, and some of my best friends are male. But in reviews, it's men who were like, she's a fool. And, and I thought that was really, really interesting. I think that's fascinating. So, I, you know, we do judge the victim because we, for a few reasons, it's, you know, what an idiot. How could this, how could you be so stupid? It's so obvious. And we also, I think there's a part of us that's like there, but for the grace go I, you know, the grace of God go I. It could happen to her, then it could happen to me. And we're terrified of that. Yeah. We're terrified of that. But I find myself doing that, Stacey. When I hear, you know, about women who, you know, meet these guys, these Nigerian scams, or these, these men who are supposed to, you know, who promise them whatever, and then they've never met them, and then they take up with their money. I'm like, how could you give anybody money? And that's the one thing that I do say that I, you know, if this guy had asked me for money, he once asked me if I was a, if I had a trust fund, <laughs> and I said no, I do not. And I remember thinking I had called up my lawyer because I owned my apartment in New York, and I said, if if you know, if I marry somebody, can he get his hands on my apartment if it's in my name? And yeah. he said, no. And I said, what if he has credit card debt? Could I get a massive credit card debt? And they said, not what he came into, but, you know, what he accrues while you're together. So I was worried about that. And I think that, you know, people have said to me, well, if he didn't get money from you, what was the point? And I don't know the answer to that. But I know, and I tell women this all the time, the minute anybody's asking you for money. Yeah. Run. Yeah. So run the other like, way. You run the other way. You run the other way. Not toward them. You run the other way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the way they get mad at you because you're not a team player and you're not giving them their, you know, what they asked for and you're not really in the relationship. Oh, well. You know, yeah. I don't, I just, no way. You just, that's, that's how you protect yourself. You have to be smart because sadly, no one is going to take care of you the way you are. Yep. So where do women go to get support? You mentioned in your book, um, a really interesting website um, for the White Collar Wives Project. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that and any other resources for women who either have had this happen and, you know, want to find a community to, to be able to kind of, to be able to move on and, and not be judged. And, you know, for those women who 
know something's up and don't know what those next steps are. Yeah, there, the What Part Wise project is very interesting. It was started by a woman named Lisa Lawler, and her husband had made off with $2 million, and he was a white-collar uh, criminal. He went to jail. And then she started a group for other women because, very interestingly, it's the women who often pay the price culturally because they say, how could the women not know? How could yeah. they be so stupid? And it's also, you know, criminally. I mean, their whole lives are upended, and what do they do? And they have no assets. And, so, and then there's the betrayal from the husband. So that's somewhere that women in that predicament can go. I mean, I, that was, well, I guess I could have joined that group because technically my, my fiancé was a white-collar criminal, but, you know, I didn't lose any money at all, so there was nothing like that. Um, so that's a resource. I think also there's a woman who I think is fantastic, and she helped me a lot. Her name is Sandra Brown, and she uh, runs... Uh, t- she runs an gr- uh, organization for toxic rela- p- women who've been survived, um, who've been involved with like, these kind of crazy toxic partners. And she runs the Institute for Relational Harm Reduction, which is a mouthful. But um, she's really, they, they run recovery programs for people who've been involved with these relationships. And, and, and she's really very good. And I talked with one of her. Um, one of the therapists there and she really helped me a lot because what she did was help me realize partially you know what was in my personality that was attracted to someone like this and what okay. was in and what was in his head that what made him attracted to me you know because extroverts are more likely to be extroverts are more likely to be uh, to encounter these kind of people because introverts aren't going to talk to them and so if you have a sort of gregarious, outgoing personality, you know, you're willing to talk to somebody. And if you're someone like me who likes stories, then you're even more likely to meet somebody who's going to be attracted to someone who's going to tell you a story. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. It was really yeah. interesting. So these are, these, she, they were, she's terrific. I really thought she was great. And so that's um, Sandra Brown. And in, in, what is it? That, the Institute for... Relational harm reduction. I really would like her to get a new name, but um, it's too it's a mouthful. But the Institute for Relational Harm Reduction. Okay, um, and what we'll do because that is a mouthful. We'll we'll put links to both the Institute for Relational Harm Reduction, um, you know, that Sandra Brown is run a, running, and then for Lisa Lawler's group, White Collared wives project we'll also put a link there too so that uh right in our show notes um you listeners can go there and and find out a little bit more information great that's great that's great yeah i think that's really important there's also um you know something else that i think is really important that that women talk about this and yeah you know it's don't it happens to so many people there was that movie i don't know if you saw it but by benita alexander called he lied about everything she was a emmy is an emmy award-winning producer and she was with this this doctor who she met and he told them the pope was going to marry them and she had all of her family ready to fly in and to go to this wedding until they discovered the pope was not going to be in rome that day and this man was married for 30 years and so she made this documentary yeah so she's out there speaking, you know, and talking about it. And 
um, we're hoping to start some kind of group for women, some, do a conference, something like that. And I definitely want you to be a part of that, Stacey. But, um, you know, just, just that's, yeah, this needs to be talked about. There's yeah. another woman whose name is Joyce Short, and her argument, there's, there's actually a real thing called rape by fraud, which is a, cr- a crime in some states. And it's, if you pretend to be something you're not, and somebody goes to bed with you, it could be considered rape now or sexual assault. It's, it's heavy because, you know, it's very, it's, it can be really hard to, to prove. There was a case actually recently in um, Indiana of a young woman who was lying in her boyfriend's bed in the dorm room and it was pitch black and some guy came into the bed and she thought it was her boyfriend and they started having sex and then she realized it wasn't her boyfriend. And you know, so she, the man, so she consented to having sex, but she did not consent to having sex with this guy. Yeah. So she sued, she sued, but actually, and they, he, the jury, it wasn't on, he, the man, the guy was not convicted. So, um, really interesting. It's fascinating. And that's Joyce Short. So that's her thing. So there are people out there trying to do something about this. Yeah. So as we wrap up, um, what can we do to start to trust ourselves again? I mean, I, I think when you, you've, you've gone through this, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like it just strips away, you know, your belief in yourself and your judgment. Um, you know, how do you, how do you rebuild that? You know, it didn't, it, the good thing is I spent a year from the time I left December of 2010 to the time I got the call from NCIS, which was March 2012. I spent that year thinking I had blown the best thing that happened to me and that I was really at fault. The minute I got that call from special agent Dan Ryan, I said I was right. And I thought to myself I, that I'm awesome because I, my judgment was dead on spot on accurate. Yeah, you dodged a bullet. I mean, and, and if I recall correctly, he was he was using your name to um, buy Viagra, buy you know other pharmaceutical drugs to then um, essentially sell them on the black market. Is that is that what was going on? Well, Vicodin, Vicodin. I don't know. He did not actually get convicted of selling. Um, I'm, I believe he did, but he didn't get convicted of that. And, and, and I'm in touch with the, the former special agent. He said there was no evidence of that, but I, I would bet he did. I would, I would bet my last Diet Coke that he did, but he was using. And so he used my name, he, my, my name, he used people he worked with at the Pentagon because they really did work there. He used his, you know, damn parents. I mean, he used uh. the name of a woman, the woman he was dating right after me, but he was sort of concurrent courting her when he was in the, who was dying of cancer. He stole her identity. So it was really, it was, it was terrible, but I, you know, but I knew something was off with him. And so when I got the message, I was thrilled. And then I kicked into journalist mode and I called his ex-wife and then his ex-ex-wife who I didn't know about. And then the woman he was engaged to when he was engaged to me, I mean, there were all these people. And, um, yeah, it was very validating. It was very validating. So I think what I want to, Say is that you have to trust your gut yeah. and that sounds really basic but it's really not you knew something was off Stacy right with that guy uh, your that ex-boyfriend who you were madly in love with you didn't want to see it right but yeah. something if you had trusted your gut you, you would have 
spotted it sooner. Is that yep. putting words in your mouth? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's right. And, you know, I feel like we as women, we, we don't give our gut enough uh, credit. Right. Right. That's yeah. right. We don't. We don't. We don't. And, and, and it, 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 I, we know, and, and I talk about it in that book. I mean, that's sort of one of the premises of blank Mount Malcolm Gladwell's book, you know, you, you we know, we can sense things. And there was yeah. actually studies done as well that it's the, that lie detection, there's a way subconsciously to even tell when someone's lying to you. Um, and so, you know, that's that we don't always know it intellectually or, you know, right up front, but subconsciously we, we can feel it percolating. We can pick out a liar just from our gut. Yeah. There have been studies about this. So I'm a big fan of that. I, if something seems off, it's off. I believe that. I, I also believe, you know, everybody's supposed to be innocent before proven guilty. I'm not sure I buy that. Reagan said, trust but verify. I say, you know, verify and still don't trust 100%. I really, I really think you have to be, especially when it comes to your future, your life, if you have kids, and your money, and your assets. Yeah. This is your life. Yeah. So I want everyone on this, uh, you know, listening to this podcast to to read your book. Um, where oh. can they get your book? And, and So again, Duped, Double Lives, False Identities, and the Con Man I Almost Married. Um, I assume Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Yep, your local bookstores. You can get it uh, anywhere. I mean... It's you can you can get it it, it uh, well I guess that's that yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazon Barnes and Noble your local indie bookstore um, yeah and my website is abbyellen.com and you know I have all those Twitter and all that stuff that I hate um, I really hate it you have to do it but I hate it um, you know Pinterest and Instagram and all that nonsense and um, so I'm on there at abbyellen.com Abby Allen and yeah I um, I just really want women to be smart I really do because no one is going to take care of you if you don't that's my happy message that is that is my message too and I will tell you I am happily happily married I've been with my husband 20 years but guess what I manage the finances I'm part of the I mean Right. And no one else is going to take care of me. And bless, you know, he probably would. But it, it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about me being able to take care of myself. And even more yep. importantly, you know, teaching that next generation of my, you know, my daughter of, you know, this is really important for you to know. In fact, um, you know, she, she wanted to, to buy some some toys on Amazon this morning and I said, well, then cough up the money and bless her. She got all her little $1 bills out um, uh, and she paid for it. And so, yeah, it's very exciting. And she's like, yep, I, this is worth it to me. And I'm going to do more errands around the house and I'll make dinner. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're going on the right path. Thank you for being here today, for being so honest. And, um, you know, thank you for writing this book, because just like we talked about, um, you know, not a lot of people want to raise up their hand and say, hey, guess what? I've been duped. You know, you don't really, <laughs> it's not really like, you know, the same thing of, of you know, saying who wants a million dollars? Everybody puts their hand up. This is not not one of those situations. Um, so I just want to say, you know, a wholehearted 
you know, heartfelt thank you. And we'll include your contact information as well, a link to buying the book. Um, And thank you for being here. And thank you to all of our listeners um, coming to you every other week, financially ever after. Uh, Thank you for investing in yourself because as Abby mentioned, um, you have to be able to take care of yourself. And my hope and my wish to you is that this podcast helps you do just that. And thank you for being here, Abby. Thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. Thank you.